you're at a place you just discovered. And being an American Express Platinum card member with Global Dining Access by Resi helped you score tickets to quite the dining experience. Okay, chef. You're looking at something you've never seen before, much less tasted. After your first bite, you say nothing because you're speechless. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your dining experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Welcome to the ID10T podcast number 1117. Go over to ID10T.com. Sign up for the email list. Uh, Not only for fun pop culture merch stuff, but also... um, some stand-up show dates are starting to trickle in. They're not, I wouldn't say, <laughs> immediately soon, <laughs> but certainly in the several months to come. So we will be uh, sending out information about that in the not-too-distant future. So just uh, sign up for the email list. Again, it's not uh, we don't send a ton of emails, so it's not going to overwhelm your inbox, but just stuff that we think is fun and relevant to your interest. So uh, id10t.com to sign up for the email list. And uh, and you can follow us on the socials. But let's talk about you, the ID10T community, like Winslow Dumaine, who writes, I'm a comedian and artist out of Chicago. I'm writing because I created a new and highly horrifying art project. Uh, I was hoping you'd share with your audience. I created the Tarot Restless, a uniquely horrifying deck of tarot cards set in a morbid fantasy universe. And um, Winslow cites... Uh, Hellboy, Silent Hill, uh, Lovecraft. So that sort of gives you the vibe of what it's about. Uh, He says, uh, the work has been praised by extreme metal legends across the country. You can find more info and pre-order a deck of cards at winslowdumain.com. W-I-N-S-L-O-W-D-U-M-A-I-N-E. Winslowdumain.com. And uh, events at ID10T.com for anyone else who has a thing that they want to share. But let's talk about this episode. It's Kevin Bacon, who I'm pretty sure this is his third time coming back on, which delights me to no end that Kevin Bacon has been on the podcast three Because it's Kevin Bacon! It's freaking Kevin Bacon, and he's rad every time uh, he's on. Just such a nice, down-to-earth dude. That makes me so happy. I honestly, like, one of my, there are many things that make me happy that I started doing a podcast 11 and a half years ago, but one of them is just... Is just people that I admire their work and they turn out to be really cool and down to earth and pretty normal. You know, that just it just makes me happy. So I certainly appreciate uh, Kevin Bacon's generosity with his time over the years and just being a super cool dude. Um, His show, which is now in season two, uh, City on a Hill, which is on Showtime now. So you can watch it. Go watch Kevin Bacon and City on a Hill and pretty much anything else he does. Just go watch Kevin Bacon uh, and now listen to him, but listen to him first right here on the ID10T podcast number 1117. Let's roll the thing. Initiating ID10T protocol.
Hi, Chris. Hey, how you doing? Nice to see you too. Are you uh, are you doing a crazy long press day, or is this? Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, I had uh, one other thing today, uh, today show thing that we did from the house here, and uh, that was it. Is it going to be weird to go back and travel around and go into studios for things and travel around? Are we spoiled now? Of like, I mean, I could just go into my into a room in my house, and I don't ever have to leave to go do this stuff anymore. I think. Uh, I think I feel two ways about it. One is that, that a lot of times there's something really, really nice about being able to just stay home and do a bunch of stuff like this. I mean, you know, we've done satellite media tours, which are essentially the same thing. Right, anyway, right, right. I've done that before, but just have, going out to a studio and probably better, you know, cameras and stuff. On the other hand, um, you know, I've done a couple of, for the first time, a couple of live shows and it was really nice. <laughs> It was, good. it was good to get out and actually be in the company of uh, other people, you know? So, um, yeah, I mean, I feel like for the most part, people are really going to want to get out and make connections with other people. What do you think? I, I think so too, but I think it's going to be like a hybrid version of like, you know, there are some things that I will, that I want to go out and do, but I don't necessarily feel compelled that I have to, there used to be this sense of urgency, but like you have to go do everything and I think it's just going to fall somewhere in between of like, yeah, you know, you might go to New York and do the Today Show to be in studio and, you know, see the crowd outside when that's allowed again. But other things like, yeah, I could probably do some other things from my my house and not have to feel like I got to travel all over the place. I've been amazed when I've been doing these Zooms, how many people have guitars. I see you got a couple of they look like maybe what are they Gibsons? Uh, that's a that's a, a 63, a 63 Gibson Hummingbird. Hummingbird, yeah. This is um, um, a 56 Martin uh, 0017. 56 Martin? Yeah. And then that's a that's a Gibson from the 30s, like an arch top that my wife got me as a Valentine's present. Cool. And then I have a guitar over there that's made by this company called Pre-War Guitars, and it's one of my favorite. I absolutely love it. I don't know if you're familiar with them. No. They make, they basically just build guitars based on the, if I'm not mistaken, the a pre-World War II Martin uh, mold. So they like, they build guitars like they're from the thirties and they do all the same stuff and they're stunning. <laughs> they just, oh, wow. they, it's like, it's a new guitar, but it somehow feels broken in and it's got wow. an old, old timey uh, sound to it. And, you know, I'm not a great guitar player, but I, but I love, but that hasn't stopped me from trying. Are they all the, uh, they're all based on the Martin kind of, styles and shapes as, as far as i know yeah but if but uh if you go to their website it's you can see all the different ones they make they make like a single o and a double o and a triple o and dreadnoughts and and they can make them with varying degrees of like uh wear and tear which act normally i'm against but actually looks really good and oh, uh, yeah, yeah they just they just feel really they just feel really nice because the this martin i really enjoy but it, because it's old, it falls out of tune really easily. And I'm always worried about like bumping it. And so to have a, a new old guitar has been really nice. 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 Have you been playing a lot in quarantine? Oh, you know, yeah. I mean, I play every day, but but not enough. I'm, I'm, I'm not, not a good guitar player. And I don't think I'm really at the point where I'm about to get any better. Um, I'm, I'm sort of old enough that that's not going to really happen. It's like the, 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 the connection between my brain and my fingers is 
it's not getting any better. But uh, I have, you know, I have been playing. It's been a good thing to do. Um, did some writing. Uh, I actually re- re- recorded a song in in quarantine, and then we went and did a video of it also in quarantine, all using you know file sharing and stuff, right. like that, which is um, you know pretty easily to do these days. I one before quarantine, you know, we we made a, uh, at least one record, pretty much never even seeing each other. Wow, <laughs> and. But but yeah, I've been playing a little. Actually, I was attached to a movie. Um, I don't really know what's going to go out on with that, but it was it was attached to a movie before, pre-quarantine where the character was a mandolin player, and I'd never picked up a mandolin, so um, I was kind of trying to work on that so that I would at least be good enough to fake it. But man, uh, mandolins, I. Have so much respect for mandolin players because I just look at the mandolin and all I can think of is carpal tunnel syndrome. Like the amount of it just like when I watch people play, how crunched up their hands are and the mm-hmm. precision and the accuracy it takes to play a mandolin is remarkable. Yeah. It's also interesting because you I mean, unless you play a lot of 12 string, you're not always used to, you know, covering two springs with one, with one finger, you know? And right. Oh yeah. That's the other thing too. You're, it's the precision, but it's that double course string that you're playing too. Yeah. I, I think the mandolin is probably one of the harder instruments to play. Did you get one? Did you say you were dicking around? Yeah. With oh yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I try to play that every day too. Um, I don't always play it every day, but yeah, I love it. I, I, it's, uh, it's, you know, I mean, anytime you go like and you got new learn, learn new chord shapes and stuff like that, that's kind of a little bit of a brain tease. But um, but yeah, it's been fun. I mean, it's it's kind of funny to hear you say, like, you know, I'm at a point where I think I'm just not going to get any better. Cause I, st- <laughs> I started playing guitar two years ago as just a way to like, you know, like I had some old stand up bits that I just wanted to turn into songs. So I started bringing up on stage and pr- and learning kind of learning to play in front of people. And now I've had a year to learn how to play. And it is a very confounding instrument because most of the time I honestly don't know what to practice. Like, I don't know. I pick it up and do a couple of things. I go, well, I don't know what else to do. What are you doing when you practice? Oh, wow. Well, I mean, I, I'll pl- practice actual songs of mine and then I'll practice other people's songs. And then you can go down a, a YouTube rabbit hole. I mean, oh my gosh, you can, there's so many teachers on YouTube and, and a lot of them are free, but then I've got others that I've signed up for um, as, you know, to kind of do the course and you just, I'll just kind of flip through and see, you know, something that I haven't really looked at for a while and, and, you know, just take these online things. I mean, they're really, I think they're really kind of remarkable that uh, it's, and also, a lot of times you'll go in and say, well, I don't know. I want to play a certain song. And there's a lot of different interpretations of how people are, are playing things. And it's right. really fun because the guys are out there and they're doing analysis based on live performances and, you know, and they're probably zooming in on their fingers and, you know, trying to figure all that stuff out. And it's cool. You know, it's all that crazy kind of muso stuff when people just go right down the youtube <laughs> oh, absolutely. we're so spoiled now because i was talking to my guitar teacher about um uh because i've been uh, playing classical piano too and i go it's classical piano is so interesting because hundreds of years ago the only way you could hear the song the songs if someone played it <laughs> and so the roadmap for the song is exactly what it's supposed to be it tells you what the dynamics are it gives you all the accidentals it tells you 
you know, when to play faster, louder, whatever. And so, but now we're just so spoiled because we can call up, but I almost wonder if that's, if we're too spoiled, because like you said, the YouTube rabbit holes, you can watch two videos that'll, that'll have the same stuff where it's like 10 things every guitar should do. And then that, those things will appear on 10 lists, 10 things guitar players should never do. And so <laughs> it's, it's like, it's, uh, or always do. And so I find that it's tough to kind of sift through when you're a novice guitar player, like, I don't know what's right or not. How would I know what is valid? I mean, in popular music though, there really is no right. I mean, you could, you know, it's like, uh, I'll, I'll give you an example. I don't know. You know, you, you, you play, you play a D chord. Like you think to yourself, there's only one way to play the D chord. And that's the way you play a D chord. James Taylor plays a D chord in a different way. His fingers are in a different position that I think most of us, most of us, think of it in a, in, a, in a D chord. And the reason that he does it is because it enables him to do more of that stuff that he does on the D chord all the time where he's hammering on and hammering off and, you know, on, on the, all kind of licky stuff. And, and it, it makes more sense for his, his fingers to be in this alternate uh, position. And I'm sure he goes back and forth, but like the, there is no real right or wrong in that, you know, you know, Keith Richards takes off a string and, you know, sounds like that, you know what I mean? It's just, <laughs> I, I like that kind of stuff is I, I love the I love the mistakes and I love the, um, the, the 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 way that people come to it, especially. And it is a big difference between that and classical music where, you know, as you pointed out, it's really a, it's a really pretty strict interpretation as far as I know. I don't know that much about classical music, but I feel like if you decide to play a song in a different way than somebody else did, that's that's what makes it cool. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, it is the interpretation. How do two people have the exact same roadmap and come up with two completely, you know, whether it be inversions or or just different types of playing technique? What some guy made a really funny video that was about. Uh, I think he was playing like classical guitar or bass or something. He was playing something on bass classical, and. Uh, and he would make mistakes. And then it was a panel of himself judging. And then he flipped to jazz guitar. And then they were like, that's the greatest thing ever. Cause like all the things that were mistakes in classical music were basically for jazz were like these inspired, brilliant, you know? Right. So it is, it is, it is about figuring out how to, how to embrace the mistakes too. But it's, uh, but, but I do find what you say true. It's like, I don't, I don't know how, I don't know how much better I'm going to get at this. I just don't understand, you know, it's just not linear in that way. It's like, you kind of just have to be comfortable where you are. I've been telling people for years when I play clams that it was a jazz choice, you know, that was, <laughs> 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 no, that was, that was supposed to be there. Yeah. That was, uh, it was Dark, an artistic, you know, yeah. it was an artistic choice. And then you, there are really no excuses because you either see, I go, well, I don't have big hands. But then Instagram shows you 100 videos of people that don't have big hands that are shredding. Or like Django Reinhardt, who didn't have use of all of his fingers, who mm-hmm. still managed to play these incredible songs. So I guess it really is just, you know, I don't know. How much time are you going to devote to learning it? And how, and when are you going to just be comfortable where you are? Right, right. Are y'all playing uh, a show in April, you and your brother? No, no, we don't have a show in April, as far as I know. Not, oh, there was something on your website that said, like, April 2021, like in Connecticut or something. 
Oh, um, I, I'm not sure. I'd have to check that. <laughs> uh, I, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's a, such a weird thing, as you know, in the in the in the business, uh, in terms of like going and playing out. Everyone's kind of like sort of trying to look down the road and see when it's going to be possible, you know, right. when it's going to be safe and when it's going to be because it seems to change weekly in terms of like things opening up. Yeah. Uh, people considering lower capacity, you know, kind of things. And now with, uh, with, with the amount of vaccine that's going on and the, and the, and the testing, it seems like things are kind of moving more quickly maybe than we anticipated even, you know, a couple yeah. of months ago. So I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure. Do you miss it? Do you miss performing? Yeah. Oh yeah, I do. I do. Um, I, in fact, just yesterday in this very room, here I was trying to do a little wood setting and, uh, you know, try, try, I was actually just going through our, our set and, you know, thinking in anticipation of the possibility of playing again someday. Um, uh, yeah, I, I miss it a lot. Um, it's, uh, you know, I, I, I used to do a lot of theater when I first started out and through the years I've continued to. And I, I think that the, the, the feeling that you get from being in front of a live audience um, and the feeling that you get that this one night is just a super, super special night that is not going to be the same as tomorrow night. And that this group of people and you are going to have this shared experience is something that's just I find it just a big part of my creative life. And it also uh, creates butterflies, which I don't really get on a set anymore. You know, I've spent right. so much time, much of my life on sets that the idea of a live show when you don't have take two um, and when anything could happen and, you know, go wrong or go great, you know, is, is, is something that's just, you know, I miss it when, when you're playing with a band, especially um, it's, it's a, it's a great feeling. So yeah, I do miss it. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is one of the things that's hard to, like, when you watch a concert, you know, like, if you're watching a concert on, you know, television or, or streaming or whatever, y- you can kind of appreciate it from, oh, that, you know, that looks great, or wow, the crowd looks, you know, they really played that song well, or the crowd looks into it. But there is just nothing that replaces that feeling of bringing a group of people together for that singular purpose of forming this basically temporary community uh, and all the things that come with that, but it's still I, I still marvel at people who at bands who can play the same songs for like thirty years. I think that that level of performance of being able to find something new in a song, having played it, especially like bands that have like hits that they're probably exhausted by that crowds want, and I imagine that's just because they're finding that energy in the audience itself, not necessarily in the song. Oh yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. And and it is a, uh it's an amazing thing when you get that energy back from the audience. Um I also think that even if you've been playing a song for a long time there can be moments of discovery. Um in the same way that if you've been running in a show, I mean, I don't know about years and years and years, but I've run, I've had some, you know, fairly long, probably 6 8 months runs in a, in a in a on a on a stage show. And just when you think that 
it's just by rote. All of a sudden, something occurs to you and you, you know, you ask for the salt in a different kind of way or, you know, whatever it is, or a laugh comes up that you've never had before. You know, it's the same thing with the music. Like the audience reacts to something that you hadn't really um, considered or you finally find a, a, a vocal lick that you'd been hadn't hadn't really occurred to you before. You know, I mean, stuff like that. So it, it's it can it can still be energizing and when the audience uh is there and you're dancing and you're not stepping on each other's toes it's really a nice feeling i mean i would imagine the first shows back are going to be it's it's going to feel it's going to feel incredible and i and i and i keep you know part of the hope that i keep hanging on to is that like gift wrapped in a bow at the end of this when you can finally come out and be on stage and feel like I'm safe. The audience is safe. It's okay to be here. And the, the energy of that is probably going to be like, I, I, I it won't even, you won't even be able to describe it. It'll, but it'll probably be like, unlike anything that we've experienced uh, in recent memory in terms of performance. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, have you, uh, are there, when you tour, when you did tour, were you guys hitting the road for months at a time or were you kind of just like jumping out like, Oh, we'll do a weekend here, a weekend here. Do you no, do we would. Yeah. Yeah, no, we would. Our last tour was probably, I guess, three months, maybe something like that. It was like, it was like 50, 50 dates, I think. Oh my uh, God. And I, I, I kind of, it's interesting. I mean, I really feel like that I'm not sure about that so much working for me anymore i i it's sort of like something that is really great when you're 19 you know right, <laughs> and, right, uh, right. <laughs> uh, and or you know my age but that a giant you know rock star who's like you know has his own bus or is moving in a plane or whatever you know 10 old guys crammed on the bus <laughs> down, down to town it's uh, i think the bloom is off the rose a little bit <laughs> You know, but the thing is, is that it's always in service every, I mean, this is such a classic kind of, you know, the rock and roll statement, but it really is always in service of the, of the time that you're on stage and, you know, you, all the other stuff that you do getting to the town and, and, uh, killing the, what seems like hour after hour after hour of waiting, going through sound checks, which can sometimes be fun it can, and but are usually pretty painful, you know. <laughs> um, it's all in service of that, you know, that slot of time that that you you get to play, and it's it's the audience, but it's also just the feeling of making music with other people is 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 just good. I mean, it's it's just good, you know. And so so, and with my brother, you know. Um, so so yeah, I I, I don't. I don't think I'm, you know, I'll have like a, you know, 200 day tour in my future. And it's funny that the, the, the sort of how comedians and musicians just sort of peer over the fence at the other yard and go, <laughs> it looks really cool over there. Cause you know, comedians, comedians will kind of, will go, Oh my God, you can play the same songs over and over and people ask for them, but you can only do bits like once or twice. And right. then people are like, fuck you. I've already heard this. But yeah. then, but then bands will go, yeah, but you just walk up on stage and it's just you and a microphone and that's it. And I do think about the, I hadn't, when I started bringing guitar with me, I was like, oh yeah, you gotta fuck, you gotta go in and do the, okay, more in the, all right, okay, less. All right. Does that sound okay out there? You know, like you have to form a relationship with whoever the sound guy is every single night. It's like, be, uh, on, 
you don't carry a guitar tech. You you you, you tune your own guitar. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, especially because I feel like it'd be weird because uh, you know I was mainly touring comedy clubs before everything because I'm building up a new hour, and I feel like it would be weird if I was in a comedy club with like 300 people and a guitar tech and a guy off to the side and like four guitars that would feel like, what are you doing? It's not, come on, dude. What are you well, doing? Speaking of, speaking of live, my wife and I went to uh, the, the uh, magic castle in, in, um, in Los Angeles and, and heard comedy uh, in the, from the car, which was really kind of fun. I mean, oh, did, was it good? Who, because that I, I had friends who did a bunch of those shows and they were like, well, it's weird because people don't, you can't hear laughing, but they'll flash their lights and you hear honking. Yeah. So. Well, they give you these, they give you these plastic clackers that you can reach, <laughs> out, you reach outside the window and, uh, and smack them together. And you hear people, you hear people like across, you know, kind of hooting and stuff like that. But, but, but the, the, the you know, the sounds coming on the radio. Right. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds at Mint Mobile. We like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code WONDERY to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. But I loved it. I mean, I was like, we got out of the car, you know, we laughed a bunch. I mean, I would say the hardest part about it was that you're really far, pretty far away from the, from the comic. So actually seeing their face, it was, it was pretty, pretty far away, but, it, but, but it was still, it was still great, you know, and you had that shared experience within the car, you know, between right. the two of us, the two, th- the things that we're finding yeah. um, funny or not as the case may be, but it was, I, I, it was great. I mean, it's one of those things where you go, do I want to be doing this forever? Would I rather be sitting in a in a club? Yes, I think I'd ultimately I'd rather be sitting in a club, but in support of uh, the art and in support of the comics. And you know, it was it was a fun thing. To do. This is what we had. This is what we have for now. Yeah, we didn't. The first, I don't. I, I think it was probably three months into quarantine where we finally got takeout. Uh, where this is this one restaurant that we used to go to all the time for date nights that had our credit card on file. So we drive up, they put the stuff in the trunk and we drive away. And so it was super safe. And that first night of that different food in the takeout was like, it just, it was, so, we just wanted to curl around the food because it felt, and it sort of feels like that too, just that, that need to sort of just be connected to the world or just do something that feels like 
hey, this isn't ideal, but this is what we got. So this is going to be fucking great. Yeah, totally. totally. Have, you felt, have you felt particularly creative in the last year? Like, uh, did, have you been writing or doing stuff or have you just been able to kind of shut shut down? No, I have done a lot of stuff. Well, right out of the gate, I wrote a song called Corona Tune. And then uh, I started to um, record it um, first with my own just kind of home situation. And then uh, a friend of mine who lives down uh, the street from us in, in California has a little studio and he uh, produced it with me. So we were able to mix down there wearing masks and everything in this, you know, uh, just the, the two of us, we, my brother sent um, some cello parts. Oh, wow. And uh, I put, you know, just, I put layered my own vocals onto it. And, and, um, and then after that was done, uh, my wife and I were back here on the East coast and I said, I'm trying to shoot this video will you help me with it? And cause there's some shots that I can't really get of me, you know? And she was like, sure. So we took the, uh, the iPhone out and, uh, and a GoPro and, and started shooting it. And we, you know, I cut this video remotely with another friend of mine, put that video out. Then she woke up and said, you know, we're sitting here, let's make a movie. So we made a movie, uh, like a 10 minute, um, short that, uh, she conceived and we kind of wrote together and then we directed each other in it. We lit it. We operated it. We did the hair and the makeup, the wardrobe sets and the whole, <laughs> and the whole thing. And it was just the two of us. And that was really, really, that was great. Um, so, you know, we're going to be in some festivals and uh, uh, we finished with that. Um, you know, so, yeah, I mean, I think I'm pretty, even without the quarantine, I'm pretty one of those people that's pretty good at waking up and saying, oh, I want to try to do something. I mean, I think honestly that the uh, as much as I have sort of a love hate thing with it, the social media has been fun because, you know, I've always taken the time to make silly little like videos and stuff and share them with my family and, you know, just kind of joke things. Now, you know, I can put them out. You know what I mean? It's like, I, I can, uh, I'm basically doing the same thing that I've always done, but it just is on a, you know, a sort of a wider audience. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I tend to be someone that gets up and tries to figure out a job. I don't, I'm not somebody that has a lot of, wants to spend a lot of time on the couch. That being said, I also have said to people that there's a low level of, trauma i think that we've all felt during this time absolutely and it's not to be uh taken lightly um you know this has been a a real world um uh, tragedy you know um let's not forget how many people got sick and how many people died and i think that living your life with that feeling that your life is at risk all the time is is really hard to deal with and there were days and still are days when i wake up and i just go i i I don't i can't think of anything to do and i'm just going to find myself staring at the wall and and i think that's okay i think we have to sort of let ourselves off the hook uh to a certain extent because i know that early on in the pandemic you know everybody was talking about (laughs) who was it uh 
you know, Shakespeare wrote Midsummer Night's Dream during a plague or something like that. Right. You know, that's what we should all be doing. Um, and I think that you, you can get to tread lightly with that notion. Yeah, especially, you know, the thing you were talking about, about you just wake up some days and you all you can do is stare at the wall. And I think the sort of allowing that and the acceptance of that and the sort of the mindfulness practice of being able to identify and say, well, this is how I'm feeling today and that's going to be okay because things are fucked up and, and this is the best we can do. And also, you know, it, it's just that constant, like not knowing, you know, like we were so, at least we convinced ourselves, we were so certain we had this kind of like false security bubble that, right. you know, that humans had for certainly all, our entire lives, you know, and, and then, then it completely changes. And then you're like, Oh, I guess it's uh, things aren't quite what I thought they were. And so there's the recalibration of like, well, how do I, what grounds me now? And how do I find the center in, in a, in a world that feels very chaotic at the moment? And, and you're right. I think that some, some days you just have to be okay and go, I feel weird today. I feel sad today. I feel, and I just have to acknowledge that I feel that and know that it's okay without adding the extra pressure of like, why am I not writing a novel? Like just fucking just try to go easy. The world is, is rocky at the moment. Definitely. Definitely. And I have to say that um, when I did get back to work, uh, we shut down the second season of city on a hill um, two episodes in and uh, thinking, you know, well, we're just going to take a, a couple weeks off. Right. And, you know, that turned into whatever, six months. And then we went back. Um, there was this strange feeling of going back into the world. Um, certainly a very bizarre situation when you show up on set and everyone's wearing, you know, PPE and there's face shields and masks and your temperature is checked and you've been tested and you're, you know, walking down a, a corridor and people are like, like clear the area, clear the area. Cause the act coming through and all that kind of stuff, you know, um, but the feeling when the masks finally came off of the cast and we actually were shooting, there actually was film humming away in those, in those uh, uh, machines. And, and when the, you know, you look over and you see a guy holding the boom and you, and the operator is there and, you know, hair, makeup, and wardrobe and the whole thing. It was so enriching. It was so, um, I felt, so, I felt so good to be back and doing it again. It's not like I was like, Oh no, I can't do this. This is too weird. Uh, it was weird and it was great. And it was immediately clear to everybody. I think that this was, what we are meant to do, that this is what we're good at. You know, this is what we've spent our lives trying to do. And I'm not just talking about the cast. I'm talking about, you know, everybody across from catering to, you know, to uh, director photography, you know, it's, it's, um, it was a beautiful thing to see people back and working, working together, feeling hopeful. And also to me, we lost one day, with a, with a, um, you know, a a positive case from somebody who had come outside. But when you really think about it, like the creation of that kind of a work environment in the middle of this thing should in a lot of ways be an example to the rest of the world that you can function if you really are very, very mindful of what you're doing and you really have the respect 
uh, for the other people that you're working with to try to follow the rules. I mean, I think it's a good, I mean, I wish, I wish our, our entire country would have, you know, handled the, the pandemic in the way that like this, this film crew did, you know, because it went beyond just the shooting day. It included people making a conscious effort to be safe on the weekends so that, you know, when they came back to work, they were, um, you know, taking care of their fellow human beings in a, in a, in a pretty, you know, deep and important way. And uh, that was very inspiration, inspirational to me. I mean, I, when the season wrapped, I just remember looking around and thinking, boy, we should be really proud of ourselves. Yeah. It, it definitely also is, it's sort of like that thing about when, you know, when you're younger and you, and you don't get injured very often, but then you start to get older and it's like, oh, I just went to pick up a box and now I can't move my shoulder. And then your shoulder feels better. And you just never appreciate not being in pain any more than like when it finally like goes away. And I think that appreciation of just sort of going through this trauma and for a lot of people who have, you know, worked in a specific industry or job for so many years and maybe sort of you know, even if you didn't take it for granted, even if you were just like, oh, yeah, that thing, you know, it's yeah, 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 acting or whatever, performing, it's fine. Um, then you get to do it again. And it just this whole, like you said, this whole new level of appreciation, like, oh, my, I'm I'm lucky that I get to work. I'm lucky that I get to do what I do, especially now. And what an incredible experience. And so, you know, it's a horrific thing to be going who have gone through, but 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 seeing those moments of appreciation have been really enlightening and hopefully it doesn't we don't go back you know hopefully it's not that thing where in a year if things are normal like eh, you know we just start getting all uh, whatever cranky again about dumb little things like i hope that we're able to continue to appreciate how special it is that we get to do what we do yeah me too uh, does, did, did you, so you finished shooting season two. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. We finished shooting season two goes on in uh, March and uh, a couple weeks and, uh, and it's cool. I just watched the final episode uh, today. It's great. I'm, I'm really, really proud of the season. And do you, are you, do you already know what you're going to do next or are you still, are you, are you taking time? Um, I am still, I'm still thinking about that. I'm still, you know, looking at that. I don't, I don't, I don't really know. I mean, I went and did another movie right after we wrapped. Um, uh, I went down to uh, Georgia and shot three days on a, on a film um, uh, with Machine Gun Kelly playing Machine Gun Kelly's dad. Um, And, and that was, uh, that was great. It was, it was, you know, a cool kind of indie thriller um and it was good my character on sitting on a hill is is great character but he's very uh it's kind of consumptive playing him you know he's he's so he's kind of so specific and it's one of those guys that i don't always talk like this but you kind of have to shake him a little bit right. and actually switching and doing this other man who was a very different sort of man uh, from a different world and et cetera, was, was something that I was really great. It felt good, uh, you know, to, and, and to remind myself that I can play (laughs) more than one part. Uh, and so that was, that was cool, but that's, that's the only thing I've done since then. 
Are you, this might be a weird question, but are you at a point now where it, like in your career where you're just sort of like offers come in or are there any, are there things that you chase after or are there like, um, you don't audition for stuff anymore. I would imagine after at this point, right. People would just hire you. I would think. Yeah. I haven't auditioned for a really, really, really long time. I, I honestly can't remember the last time I auditioned. Um, I, that's not true actually. I remember a story now when when uh when Spielberg was making Jurassic Park um what was told to me was you should read the book and if you wanted to offer to say some of the dialogue out of the book <laughs> the offer wouldn't be turned down. Okay. So it wasn't technically an audition. Right. Uh, I read the book, read Jurassic Park, and, you know, found some little scenes where, you know, you know, he had written out dialogue in the book, just like but in the, but from the novel. And I said, uh, hey, can I read some of this? And, and Stephen was like, oh, okay, sure. <laughs> and, uh, so I think that was technically my last audition. I didn't get it, by the way, clearly. <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, which is fine with me. I was talking to some actors the other day um, who were saying, boy, you know, I really, I like, I really liked the audition. It really makes me, you know, I never liked it. I, it was never something that I looked forward to. But I know I met my wife, um, she, she likes it. She feels like it's a really good way for her. And she doesn't audition very much either but she she kind of feels like it's a good way to um see if it's a good fit for her you know as well right. as being a good fit for them uh my feeling is uh if you can't tell <laughs> what i've done so far if you're not sure from what i've done so far that i'm the right guy for the part probably don't want to work with you. <laughs> I, know. I mean, I, knew, I felt like it was a dumb question when I asked her, because I was like, well, Kevin Bacon, why would he audition? He's like, Little, I've done hundreds of, yeah, exactly. It's like, so is, is someone going to go, I don't know, Could, you know. And- Listen, here's the weird thing about it, is that, you know, what you want to do when you go to work is you want the, you want to, you want to put yourself in the hands of someone who's going to make a lot of big decisions and you want to, trust that they're going to make these big decisions. So my feeling is here's their first decision. <laughs> Do they want me or not? <laughs> that being said, that being said though, um, I do, uh, I do, I, I don't sit back and just wait for a thing. To, I'm constantly thinking about reading about things that are possible, talking to my my people and saying, you know, can we, can we see if there's anything in this project for me? I'm very proactive in, 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 in my career. I, 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 I love to uh, meet with directors. I'm always looking at um, uh, young directors uh, work. If I have heard about something, I will, you know, write and beg and, you know, reach out to people and, and, you know, say, I, I just would really like to do this. For the most part, it has these things haven't really led to anything, but 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 once in a while, you know, and I think that um, I I I don't 
I'm, I'm mostly I'm, I don't I don't audition mostly because I don't get asked to. That's that's the truth of the matter. I think that if I was getting asked to, I would all the time. I mean, I just would, you know, because I, you know, I want to work. Um, yeah. But I but I do stay as I think it's important to stay uh, active in your in your search for for how you're going to create. Yeah. But but also it's the process is very strange because it's and especially now because, uh, you know, in the old days, you would have to like go into a room and there'd be a waiting room and you could hear everything that was going on in the room. And that was weird. There was all this there was all this like um this mental steeplechase that you had to overcome that almost felt like it was a meta test. It was almost not even really about whether you could read the part convincingly, but could, did you have the metal to kind of jump through all these hoops and stay, you know, grounded? Uh, and I, I always hated that process, but now like, you know, like my wife auditions all the time, but it's all done just, especially even this was happening before the pandemic, just on the iPhone, you just audition on the iPhone and you send it in. You don't have to go into an office anymore. It's changed the dynamic of people like, oh, maybe I don't have to live in LA anymore. I could just live wherever cheaper and send in auditions. But it's yeah. The other thing that's cool about the self tape is that you can you can do. I mean, I was talking to, to a buddy of mine the other day. He he was trying to get this big movie. He told me he did three hundred takes before he picked one. Oh my god! Them in. He did it, it three hundred times. Oh my god! And, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> he said, yeah, man, I just, I, I just, I wanted, I, it just wasn't quite right. And I wanted to send the right one in. And, and, you know, obviously in, in, you know, in, it's not in those days, unless the director or the casting director was, was nice enough to give you another shot. It was like a one shot deal. If you didn't, if, right. you, if you didn't do it in the first shot. Yeah. So, you know, listen, uh, it is a different, it's a different kind of world. My daughter's an actress. So I, I, I know the whole self tape thing and she'll send them sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes she'll send them and say, what do you think? Should I redo the second scene? And, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's just a different kind of connection that people make. And I know from, you know, I directed the first episode of city on a hill. So we had a lot of, uh, casting to do to, you know, get the second season going. Um, so I know from the other side too, is that you watch, you know, tape after tape after tape after tape. And, and it's actually difficult because uh, I think for a lot of people, there's a, a pretty heavy level of multitasking that goes on these days. And, you know, if you were in an audition room, you certainly wouldn't be, unless you're a complete asshole, you know, checking your phone while you're looking at somebody's audition. You know? Right. Right. Oh, so, yeah. But if you're watching on a computer, it's easy to get distracted. I mean, it's... Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. My wife just auditioned for something and the and the instruction that came through was like, if there's any noise in the background, if there's any distractions, we're just going to turn it off. And I was like, but what are you talking about? Like, it's we're everyone's at home. Like, just, you know, like, I'm sure it's annoying. I'm sure they're getting I'm sure, you know, a lot of people are getting weird tapes. But at the same time, it's like, I feel like everyone's kind of doing the best they can in the situation. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. But I think something that you said was really interesting for any it's performers in particularly, but that level of proactivity, you know, because you, you, I, I find that as many people as I've talked to success and particularly um, an extended, you know, success that is sustained over time mm-hmm. is rarely accidental, almost really never accidental because I think 
you know, it's easy to kind of, as young performers, get this very result-oriented thinking. We think, oh, if I just get a big movie, then everything's going to be easy and I won't have to, I won't have to audition or I won't have to do anything. And then I think it's easy. It's, you got what you realize is like, no, 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 no. You really have to do a lot of work consistently. You, it's not just your agent calling you and going, here's another $10 million offer. You know, you have to constantly give them material to work with. You have to look out for your own stuff and figure out who you are and what you want to do and, you know, chase things in some cases. So it's, it's, it's nice to hear that you say like, no, every day I still am. I'm still proactive about it. You can't, you can't be lazy about these things. Definitely not. Definitely not. Um, you know, there's been times in my life when I've sort of thought that I wanted to do that. Well, I'm just going to, you know, but the, but the problem is, is that I don't look at the time between jobs as a vacation. There's right. certain, there's certain times when we take a vacation you know, we take a vacation between Christmas and New Year's. Um, but the rest of the time, even if I'm not working, it's not it's not vacation time. It's it's I'm I'm in I'm I'm um, in pursuit of the next thing yeah. or I'm trying to create something or generate something all on my own. I just am that kind of person that has to wake up every day and feel like what's what's my job going to be. And the thing, the hard thing, I think that a lot of actors, especially young actors or, 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 you know, less, you know, people who are starting out really struggle with is, you know, if you're a guitar player, you can wake up every day and just, you know, you know, sit in your room like Eddie Van Halen for 10 hours and, you know, keep trying to do those scales or whatever. If you're uh, an actor, it's a not, it's not an easy thing to practice. You right. know, um, you, you. I don't, I don't even know uh, Do comics practice in the, in their room by themselves or. No, or- it doesn't work because you, you, you can't. And that's been the sort of the conundrum during the, the, you know, for comedians is that, you know, I feel like it, like comedy clubs will be, they're the trick. They're a very tricky thing because, you know, comedy clubs are the ones that work the best or a little smaller. People are really, people have to kind of be cramped in, you know, you're, you know, you're on a microphone that, you know, a thousand other people have used it. You know, there's like a lot of things about it, but you, you, like I have friends who've done zoom shows and they're like, well, it's a different speed. And it sort of reminds you of the, when you were doing open mics and there were maybe two people in the room, but Uh I just feel like, yeah, you, you, you can, the audience in your head might think something is funny. You never know until you get in front of people. You just, because it's a relationship that you form with the audience and they are required for 50% of it. You have to bring the stuff and then they have to bring whether or not they're, they like it. So yeah, that, that, that part, there's just no substitution for that at all. Yeah. Yeah. So I, so yeah, that's why I think that the, the, the being an actor, you know, I, you know, I'm always trying to think of ways to practice being an actor. And there's two pieces of it. One is the, the act, the, the practicing, the acting piece. And the other is the, you know, trying to generate work piece, you know? Uh, so I, I try to do one of those two things every day. This episode is brought to you in part by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat, like The Guest List by Lucy Foley. 
Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Most weight loss plans are one size fits all, not taking into account each person's individual needs. Noom takes into account dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs to build a plan that works for you. Everyone's journey is different, so your daily lessons are personalized to you and your goals. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your free trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Yeah, and, and even the other thing for actors, too, is that I mean, if you're a stage actor, you, to a degree, you rely on the vibe of the audience. But if you're, if you go, well, I just really want to be a film and television actor. That is a really tough one to practice because how do you know, how do you know if you're growing or doing a good job without a director or a teacher or like, I don't, that level of self-reflection is, can be kind of difficult if you're just watching your own stuff and going, I think this is, I don't know. So yeah, I would imagine that is also challenging for just for people who only want to be actors because yeah, like you said, I don't know how I have no idea how you practice that, you know, alone. Do you feel at this point, do you ever, are are you driven at all by like, Oh my God, what if I never work again? Or what if I like, do you still have some of those same, do those ever go away? Always. I can't get, I can't get past it. I really can't get past it. I mean, maybe I'm a little bit past it in degrees, but I always think that every job is my last job. I just do. I, it goes, I, it's just that those days are, those memories of those days run so deep. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a little um, crazy, I think. Uh, I certainly, it's something that I, you know, have kind of tried to work on. Um and, and tried to keep the wolf at, at bay in terms of those kinds of feelings that every, you know, it's, it's, it's also, it's, it's, it's a feeling that I'm not going to work again. And also that I'm going to be emperor's new clothes, you know, that I'm going to be sort of discovered as being a, uh, you know, a hacker, or a, uh, you know, low rent. Imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I do. I, I, I still, I still feel that way. Um, and now at my age, it's also, it's also a little bit uh, shifted a little bit because, because then it also becomes this question of, uh, you know, r- remaining relevant and, and interesting. And, um, you know, for a guy, uh, you know, vital and, and powerful and all, all these kinds of, of things are, uh, are, you know, at, um, at risk. And I think that what I found is that when I get a character like Jackie Rohr on, on City on a Hill and some other things that I've done recently, I get to take those feelings and put those into those characters because sometimes people, 
sometimes the age that you're at is really nicely lining up with the things that you're being asked to play. And sometimes they're not, but sometimes they are. And I feel like at this point in my life, they kind of are. Uh, and if they're not, I can look at, at my own life and, and see if there's elements of that that I can put into the character. But to answer your question, yes, I'm literally right now thinking, okay, what's my next gig? And where am I going to go? Is there going to be a script? Um, you know, it, it coming my way. And uh, yeah, I never, I never think, oh, good, I'm set. <laughs> well, and and half of that is probably good because it keeps you motivated. But the other half of that is like, how do you how do you balance that and in, in, in a yeah. way that's healthy and not destructive? Yes, you know? because it it you know that that sort of negative self talk path is dangerous because you don't know. I feel like it's hard to know. Like, well, is this is this just sort of like a is this a, is this a healthy fear that kind of keeps the fire going or? is this just part of a ritual where every time I finish something, I have to go, well, that's probably the last thing. So that the next step is that I get to be pleasantly surprised that, and now it's just a part of my like ritual. Like, well, if I have to follow these steps, you know, cause it's just such an uncertain business. But that's a very interesting question though. I think that's a very interesting question that you're raising, you know, you know, I mean, I think in a lot of ways in this, in this life, you have no one to blame but yourself in, in some ways, you know, like, like if I feel unsure about the possibility of, of, of work, it, it's, it's something that is created in a lot of ways by me, you know, uh, by first off, by choosing this, this very, very unstable line of uh, employment, you know, and, and never even considering doing anything else, you know, um, so, so yeah, uh, I, it is, it is a really interesting question. How much is, uh, it's kind of nature nurture in a funny kind of way. Right. But, but the great thing about the uncertainty of it is that with, especially with, with this business is, you know, you could have a few years where you feel like, ah, nothing's really going on. I don't know what I'm doing. I feel like I feel out of sorts. And then, all of a sudden you get some job that it's like, Oh, I'll just do this fun thing for a couple of days. And then that turns out to be a thing that completely redefine, like, you know, ne- you really never know what gift is around the corner. And I think that's kind of the fun sort of, it's almost like antique shopping in a weird way where you're like, yeah, you might go to, you know, 10 antique stores, but then you stumble across this one gem of a thing that no one else. And then, you know, you feel like your life has changed and you needed all those other times to get to that point. Exactly. Exactly. Well, and hand in hand with that is the fact that from the very beginning, I was never a, a plan B kind of person. I right. thought I'm, I'm in this for the long haul. And once you make that kind of commitment that this is all you're going to do for the rest of your life, you sort of get a sense or certainly for as long as I've been at it of that there's going to be peaks and valleys and there always have been. Um, and they, you know, sometimes the valleys last longer and sometimes the peaks last longer, but, but that's going to be the way it is, you know? Um, and, and when things feel really bad, both, both my wife and I, you know, sometimes we have to force ourselves to stop and say, okay, yeah. Do we want, do we want to do anything else? Do like, uh, let's honestly ask ourselves, would we rather be, uh, you know, a philanthropist or or a plumber or 
you know, a, a cowboy, you know. Um, now nah, I think this is what I'm kind of meant to be doing. And so then once you, once you realize that you can sort of keep plowing forward. <laughs> yeah. But it also, uh, it, it also just kind of, uh, you have this perfect balance of a career to me. And from my vantage point, because the acting is uncertain. You have no control over that. You really have no control. Once you get on a set, all you can do is what you do on the day. And whatever happens after that has really nothing to do with you. And the balance of that is music. You can go pick up your guitar. You can go write songs. You can record. You can shoot a 10 minute film with your wife. Like it is, it is finding ways to kind of balance those, those two kind of disparate experiences where you are a, hired uh, a hired gun versus a creator and you are a creator yeah. an actor but i mean like you i, I mean like you create your own thing right totally the, I mean, the band is completely our creation and you know we wear our own clothes and we use our voices we wrote the songs and we sing them you know that's you can't you know there's no there's no yeah that that is a really that, that is a nice outlet for the fact that as a as an actor you really are time and time again, putting your hands and yourself in the hands of a lot of other people in terms of what the end product is going to be. Yeah. And, uh, you know, even though you say like, well, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm maxed out in terms of my, uh, guitar playing. Are there still some guitar things that you want to do or different, different things that you want to explore and songs oh, yeah. that you're writing or different styles? Definitely. No, no, definitely. I, I, there are always things. There are always things that I want to explore with the guitar. I mean, the reason that I started playing the guitar, honestly, was because I wanted to write songs. And so, like many people, you know, I learned CGD and wrote a song with three chords. And then somebody showed me an E minor chord, and and so I, the next song I wrote had a had a minor chord in it. And then uh, that is where that's what made me want to play that instrument was just because I had melodic and lyrical kind of ideas and I needed some kind of a tool to sort of structure them. It really wasn't about, it wasn't about any kind of lead playing or, or, uh, you know, I could do a little bit of finger style, but not, nothing, nothing really great. Um, so to that end, to, when when writing now you know in rock and roll there's not that many combinations really that ultimately you're going to do but even so i do like playing around with going places that i you know um melodically that i normally wouldn't necessarily hear and 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 if 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 there's a lyric or a melody idea that i want to do yeah, I'll, I'll push it to new places. Um, or, you know, I'll just say, you know, I heard a, I don't know, whatever, a reggae song, you know, and let me, let me see if I can write something in, you know, with kind of like a reggae groove. Yeah, because it, it's, you know, again, and the, going down the YouTube rabbit hole, which also can be very intimidating. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> they just go. There's some amazing players out there, one after another that. after another. Uh, that's not going to be like the guys that just do 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 like yeah. I'm not gonna that's not gonna be me but it's still um it's still fun to know that with a very limited amount of space like on a guitar fretboard 
and a limited number of notes and a limited number of chords, there's still a tremendous amount of things that you can do that you could spend your whole life and still not do all of. So that to me, like the endless possibilities of it, but it's just not talking myself out of it as you're like, fuck, I'm not, I don't, this, I don't feel like this is getting any better. I'm sure you've seen those things, those, have you ever seen those shreds videos, you know, like uh, Slash Shreds or, or uh, Eddie Van Halen Shreds? They're, they're basically what it is, is it's, they'll take some iconic live. They go, bleep, 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 bleep. Just play like horrible, horrible yeah. stuff. <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's the stupidest thing, but it's so funny to me. And so I took one of our performances, it was like a TV performance. And yeah. I went through, this is like too much time on my hands. I went through and did the whole band. And it was like a whole, it was like a time when we were sort of like going around and trading off solos and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, it was so much fun. Just, I just took, you know, took the audio out and just built this horrible, horrible track. And, and the great, the, what was so fun about it was, is that what, what the guys were playing, I could never in a million years play these things that they're playing. I mean, it's like we have a, like an amazing accordion player, you know. So I just took my harmonica and just go, <laughs> <laughs> you know, our 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 uh, uh, guitar player, my brother, and, and you know, is just playing like you know. <laughs> I was. It was a lot of fun. I'm glad that you're still having fun, and I'm glad that you, you know, are able to. I mean, it, there, there's so much at our disposal to make stuff now that there's no excuse anymore. There's really very little excuse to like, it's really just whether or not you feel like doing stuff. Well, what that's what I tell, you know, young, young actors. I mean, this is a different world that you're in now because, you know, at some point, if you hang in there long enough, you're probably going to start thinking about wanting to generate your own material. And, and in this day and age, if you have this, just make yourself a movie. I mean, you know, what, why not? What's the worst, what's the worst can happen? And, you know, when you talk about uh, being able to practice acting, it's a pretty good way to understand um, your, your, your craft. The first time that I ever um, saw Dailies was during Footloose. And I begged uh, Herbert Ross, who was the director, to let me come to Dailies. And in those old days, they were all screened on 35 millimeter. After work, everybody would gather in a, in a theater and there usually be some pizza and beer and stuff. And the crew would sit there and watch. But actors were traditionally not allowed ever to go to Dailies. It was just a thing. But it's to this day, most most directors don't want me or anybody else anywhere near the Dailies. But Herb let me in. And so you'd see, you know, take after take after take. And it was such an amazing uh, uh education for me because I started to see that there certain things that I thought I was doing, I wasn't doing. And I started to understand if I had an idea of something that I wanted to put across on, on the screen, this was the way to do it. Right. And if you, as a, as a young actor now having a, um, a camera, you could do that, you know, it's like, you know, you can film yourself. You can get over that horrible feeling like the first time you hear your outgoing message, you know, back in the 70s. <laughs> left your message. Well, when you look at yourself in a movie on the premiere night, you multiply that outgoing message by like a million, you know, and here's your face and here's your body and here's your, your voice and your, your, 
movement and all, but if there's a way to kind of learn that, uh, to, to, you know, uh, temper that technique, I think people should make their own movies whenever they can. And you were okay watching the dailies for Footloose? Cause I feel like a lot of directors don't want actors to watch because of performers like weird vanities about things like, Oh, my chin looks weird in that. Or, Oh, why'd you use that? And then it, then it just sort of adds like a headaches for the director. So were you able to watch it a little more objectively and be cool with it? Yeah. I mean, listen, that that's exactly the reason why, you know, directors, I mean, there's plenty of stories about, you know, somebody starts out with a, uh, you know, a character and then halfway through they see their dailies and they come back with a French accent. I mean, you know, or like they're wearing a big hump or something. I don't know. You know yeah, yeah. Listen, it's, 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 there is a risk factor there for sure, because uh, we were, we're not always super objective about our own work. Um, that being said, I wasn't really in a position to um, make any changes. You know, he was, uh, you know, he was in the power position. Uh, there were plenty of producers who were way more powerful than me. And, I knew that that was the risk because I knew that I remember on diner, Barry Levinson wouldn't let us watch any dailies. I snuck in one time to the editing room and just kind of looked over this guy's shoulder. But, um, you know, I, I knew that if I said, Hey, you know, I think I should change this or, Hey, you know what? I think you should use take number four. I, I could tell that that was not going to be cool. That, that was going to knock me out of it. So I just basically, sat there and listened and watched and watched everything. I'm not talking about my performances. I watched like uh, second unit, you know, doing like, uh, you know, whatever shots of things that, you know, people inserts of somebody just like picking up a cup. I just wanted to learn about uh, film and, um, and, and it was really uh, very educational. As a director, would you let your actors watch dailies? It wouldn't be my first choice. Um, but on the other hand, uh, if somebody really felt that they um, that it was important to them, that it could give them, um, uh, I, you know, a lot of actors don't really ask or they don't really want to. Uh, right, some people are right, like right. horrified by it, you know. That it, <laughs> right, right, right. For that very reason, because they don't want you know, um, the guy, uh, Andy Lincoln who starred in walking dead for many years would never watch the series because he was afraid that it would affect his performance. So a lot of people are, are very, um, a lot of performers are aware of that sort of thing, but I almost feel like as a director, you'd have to be like, okay, I'll let you watch it. Just don't get weird. <laughs> just uh-huh. <laughs> be like, just try to take, just try to see it objectively, you know, yeah. like, well, it's- the other piece of that is, which is ex- exactly what you're referring to, is that you know, as a director, directing is a very, very vulnerable thing to do. Um, you you have to really front all the time that you know exactly what's going on and that you're right. doing a good job and that you're taking good care of your actors. Right. And um, if somebody sees something, and let's say they really don't like the way they look in a particular shot, but you really had no intention of using that, that moment for that shot. You know, it was only for when, you know, they turn around and walk away or, you know, whatever it happens to be, you're setting yourself up uh, to be, you know, criticized. So I, I, I understand why directors are reticent to, to do it. You know, what I, what I do mostly now, just because it's not, I'm, I'm not quite as, um, 
uh, sort of adamant about it anymore is, is I just want to see, you know, a scene and just see if I feel like I'm kind of on the, on the right track that I'm, uh, you know, that I'm I'm in the pocket or if I'm making any kind of giant mistakes, it's, it's not a way I know, I know how hard it is to be a director and I know there's a really long, long journey between the dailies and the movie. Right. Uh, And uh, there's a lot of shit that goes down in between the, (laughs) in, in between those two, uh, iterations of the film. So that's, I I don't put a lot of pressure on people anymore in terms of that. Well, that's good. And again, you never know, like this thing that you made with your wife, that could end up being like the next, like you could get some huge thing out of that, you know, it's like, Oh, now you guys have to, like, you just don't know this thing that you just made because you were like, why we're just sitting around. Why don't we just do this fun thing? You know, that she, that she said we should do. And you listened, which was good. Now, who knows what that could become? And not that it matters if it does either way. It's going to be huge. Let me tell you, it's going to be huge. (laughs) It's going to be the biggest 10 minute movie made in somebody's backyard that's ever been made. (laughs) (laughs) But you never know. And, you know, what's fun about that is the intimacy of it. And it almost seems like that, like the purity of y'all doing that is there's that's where the kind of the magic lives because let's say a big studio came to you like we're gonna give you uh 10 million dollars go make a thing of course you could do that and of course that would be great but it also there's a lot of business stuff that would kind of get in the way where this was just something that was fun you just made it because you could and you had the time and you know like being able to remember like well this is what it's about it's just making stuff because we like to make stuff not for all these other reasons that we used to kind of judge or kind of figure out where we are for our own egos, our place in the business or whatever. And I think it's amazing that you guys did that. I, are people, can people see that anywhere yet? Or you said it's going to uh, go. Not, not yet, but, but very soon we are uh, going to be in some fast festivals and, uh, and um, you know, by, by the spring uh, it'll, it'll be available. Um, and yeah, we're, we're really, uh, we're really happy with it. It's um you know, it kind of, it's very, it's not about a pandemic, but it certainly is, is creatively a reaction to what we were feeling being in isolation and looking at the world and looking at the, the, the loss that people were dealing with every day. Um, and, uh, that's what it kind of came out of. So uh, it's, it's definitely a lockdown movie. (laughs) Well, but that's, but that, you know, like without, I don't hope I don't sound like a douchebag but that's art you know it's like you're you're basically re-expressing some emotional experiences that you had and 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 that's the sort of the purity of art so i think it's i think it's great that you did it i think it's great for people to to know because i'm sure that particularly young performers make a lot of assumptions about people that they look at and go that's that person's so successful they probably don't have to do x y or z or they probably don't feel x y or z like i do and I think it's refreshing for people to know that like, yeah, you, they, you do. And that's just a thing. And, you know, and no one job or anything is ever going to quote fix you. You just got to kind of enjoy the process of it and keep making stuff that's important to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Before we wrap this up, because you've been very generous with your time. And if the answer is no, it's totally fine. Is there just one thing you could show me on guitar? Is there one like, a thing that you go back to or a thing that kind of changed your perception or just like something, just anything. Can you just give me one guitar uh, tip? Uh, 
a, a tip. Well, I'm I, I, I'm not I'm not convinced that that I play any better than you do. I'm convinced that you play better than I do. <laughs> um, let's see. The, the funniest one I wish that I could do. The one I wish I really could do, but I can't really do it anymore. Somebody said there was some note. It was a trick where you played five. Was it five E's or five G's or something like that? And it was like this whole kind of thing where you had to do it like this, and then you had to play with the other finger. But I don't know how to do it. Um, yeah, that seems hard. That seems way outside my skill set. Is there a scale that you like, or a version that you like? The, the, this was this was the James Taylor D thing. So his D is like this. I can't even do it. Using the th- he's using the three stronger fingers because he's doing all the hammer-ons and pull-offs in there on the D. Yeah. So in other words, normally, normally your index fingers is on top, right? Yeah, but yeah. That, his is flipped around like this, so it's kind of hard to play because you have to get your wrist all the way. I don't know. Oh yeah, no, I totally see that. And he also does the thing. I've watched him because I think he released an album recently, or he released a book or something. But he also has this insane, what I imagine is a like press on nails that yeah. he uses as pick because he as picks because he does all that folk style like finger picking shit. Yes, yes. Uh, I don't know. That's all. I, I like the, the James Taylor D is good. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna research it and see if it's possible. And even in the trying to learn it, maybe maybe I'll have some kind of a breakthrough. Yeah, that's 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 my that's my one tiny little tip for the day. I appreciate it. Um, Kevin Bacon, you've always been nothing short of delightful, you know, every time you've come on. And I, I really just appreciate always fun it. to talk to you, man. Always fun to talk to you. I, I appreciate that. And I hope I hope you all stay safe and healthy. And thank you. Same yeah, to you. We'll, we'll see you sometime in the <laughs> I almost want to say in the new year. <laughs> exactly. I'm almost looking at like the world exactly. opening back up as the line of demarcation for the new year. That's what it feels like, though, right? That's what it feels like. Uh, they need. We're all we're all looking for a new year. I think we were looking for a new year from 2020, and then it didn't quite turn into one. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're just like, okay, what about now? Is now okay? Now? And, yeah, now, know, like, now we're opening back up, and it's like, okay, everyone, don't get crazy. It's like it's nice, it's good. Don't get fucking crazy. Like we just want to like let's just ease back into this. Let's make this okay. But all right, uh, man. Great to see you. Yeah, you too. Take care. All right, take care. Bye-bye. ID10T scanning complete. Enjoy your burrito. Some people take the straight path in life. But at Arizona State University, we respect your twists and turns. They make our online students more driven to excel in their professional lives. That's why our personalized suite of services empowers you with innovative resources and staff that sticks with you. Make your next turn with one of our 300-plus programs at ASU, number one in innovation for nine consecutive years. Visit us at asuonline.asu.edu to learn more.